And so Neil was like, hey, why don't you come help save this company? You did a good job with you know this other one. Why don't you come help save this company? So I was like, even though I think it's it's a company that might fall apart, I was like, man, if I can save this company, the opportunity here is if I can save it, then I can do anything. Hey everyone, welcome to Supercasters. I'm Jason Suhoy, co-founder and CEO of Supercast. And on this show, we interview world-class podcasters, deconstruct their growth strategies, and find out how they build sustainable, independent businesses that thrive on a strong relationship with their listeners. In this episode, we're going to hear from Eric Sue, the CEO of Single Grain, a multi-million dollar digital marketing agency that he bought for just $2. Now, the interesting thing about Eric is he doesn't just help his agency clients with content marketing. He actually practices what he preaches as a veteran podcaster with over 2,000 episodes recorded. Eric's the host of the Leveling Up podcast, a weekly podcast interviewing entrepreneurs and savvy marketers, as well as co-host of the daily podcast Marketing School, sharing unconventional marketing wisdom with fellow marketing guru Neil Patel as co-host. If you want to connect with Eric, he's on Twitter and Instagram at Eric O. Sue. That's Eric, E-R-I-C-O-S-I-U. Before we jump in, one final note, if you want to get behind our mission of sharing the growth strategies that help podcasters on their path to independence, please spread the word about Supercasters and feed the algorithms by rating us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, We would really, really appreciate that. Eric, welcome to the show. How's your day going? It's going great. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Awesome. So as I guess a primer for our conversation, could you maybe tell us a little bit about what Single Grain does? Yeah. So I'm actually uh, not the CEO of Single Grain anymore. I'm the owner of the company. We actually hired a CEO a while back, but Single Grain is an agency that primarily works with, you know, big tech companies or software companies like the Ubers, the Amazons of the world to mainly with paid media and and SEO. And uh, yeah, that's what Single Grain does. Awesome. And to wind back the clock a little bit further, how did you get involved in in internet marketing and then, you know, venturing off to to do your own agency? Yeah. I mean, when I first graduated uh, from college, this was right after the uh, financial crisis. So I couldn't get a job. The best job I could get was a data entry job that paid me $32,000 a year. So I was balling, living at home, balling. And, you know, it wasn't until I saw someone that was 30 years old that went to Harvard that was doing the same exact thing that I was doing, where I realized I was like, oh man, I need to do something and nobody's going to come save me. I need to take control. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, one of my friends who now works at Airbnb at the time, she told me she was doing this internet marketing internship and she said I might like it. And so I picked up an internship myself and then, you know, never really looked back from there. I mean, right after that internship, I picked up five jobs within the first year. So it wasn't like I was fired. It was more so I kept chasing the opportunity. I felt like my growth capped out within the first month. So I moved on to the next job. And then eventually I became a VP of marketing for a online education startup and, you know, had a good run there. And then, you know, eventually that led over to single grain, which was a whole, you know, Hey, you saved this startup. Can you help save this company? And, um, that's how, you know, that's, that's my journey all the way up to single grain. And, and so tell us a little bit about how that, that deal happened, you know, and, and how you decided to take the, the yeah. dive into single grain. I think the, the way to look at 
things for most people. I, I think you and I were, were Asian, so I, I think probably our parents are like, oh, yeah, you should be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, or at least in the United States, you have to go to at least a UC, like a University of California school, at least UCLA, if not higher. You have to have kids by a certain age and all. So my, my mom has like, the, you know, this weird template going on. And, you know, they always brag <laughs> to their kids and all that. Yeah, um, you're but behind schedule. <laughs> She's got a schedule for you at every step. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just, you can never meet those expectations, right? So yeah. instead of whatever your parents think, it's more so, like I mentioned earlier, are you chasing the opportunity? Forget about the money because if you keep chasing the growth, you keep chasing the opportunity, the money will follow behind as long as you're getting better and as long as you're adding more value. So I came into this online education startup with a great product. We had a great team, you know, great CEO, and we just needed to add marketing. That's all I did. I just bet the entire company on YouTube ads. That was it. It wasn't super hard. It's just I saw something. I said, let's do that. That worked out, right? Company, we raised our Series B. Company was saved. Move on to the next thing. Neil, my podcast host, said, hey, why don't you come help this agency single ring? First of all, I, I worked in agency before. I hate agencies. And, you know, I just hate the business model in general, right? And so for me, looking on the outside, I thought it was a house of cards because the Google, Penguin, and Panda updates had hit, meaning that the services, the SEO services uh, that we were providing at the time, it was our main service, were no longer working. And I, I knew that. You know, I didn't even have to talk to, you know, to learn about single rate to know that they were getting hit by it. Right. And so Neil was like, hey, why don't you come help save this company? You did a good job with, you know, this other one. Why don't you come help save this company? So I was like, even though I think it's it's a company that might fall apart, I was like, man, if I can save this company, the opportunity here is if I can save it, then I can do anything, right? That That's the original kind of thinking behind it. So I come into the company, six months go by. And there were four partners aside from myself. So you have Neil and then there's there's three other partners. So I, I like to always say it's it's four brown guys and one yellow guy. I'm the yellow guy. Neil's Neil and you know, um, a couple of other um, you know, Indian friends that I still talk to nowadays. They decided that they wanted out. So basically, you know, Neil was like, You should get out too. There's no brand equity here, this thing's falling apart. And I said, you know what? I, I think I'll stick with it. Because now I was thinking about it, I was like, if I can really save this and I can make it happen, my mm. upside's unlimited. Right. So what I did was I said, okay, let's do this, guys. Neil, I will pay you one dollar for ten percent of your shares, and um, his partner Heaton Shaw, who's well known in Silicon Valley, I'll pay you a dollar for your shares as well, so ten percent. And then the rest of the dollars owed would be through the profits of the company. And my, the contingency I set was if the company failed, I would owe nothing. So keep in mind, I'm 27 years old at this time. I have no idea what I'm doing, and I realized like a couple of years later, oh, this is actually a mergers and acquisitions deal, except mm -hmm. it's like from a guy that doesn't know what he's doing, right? right? So we got the deal done. A year goes by. We drop all the way down to one employee. Everyone's quitting around me because I have no idea what I'm doing. I read this book and I took it literally. It's called uh, Let My People Go Surfing. It's from the Patagonia founder. So it's like, yeah, you know, don't micromanage your people. Let them go do their thing, blah, blah, blah. So I literally, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to come to the office. Let my people go surfing. Let them do their thing. It was me. I, I misinterpreted the book. So people right. were, you know, it just got bad, right? And it got so bad to the point that my outside accounting firm called me and they said, hey, Erica, I think it might be time to shut it down. And at the time, I was about to accept this job in Dallas, you know, being basically on the executive team. VP, I was like, VP of marketing, they're offering me a good six figures, like, you know, 300, 400 grand a year, a million in bonuses. I was like, this is great, right? And then I realized something. I said yes to the job offer. Immediately the next day, I knew something was wrong. So I was like, I can't do it no matter what. I, I can't, I got a taste of freedom. I, I can't do it. So then I just made up, you know, some story and I was like, hey, you know, can't do it guys. And then, you know, that was that. But anyway, long story short, I already went through a lot, but, um, you know, I just 
continue to power through. You know, I, I was amazingly able to get a, you know great people to to help me out along the way to to help save the company. And slowly mm-hmm. but surely, we were able to build the thing back up. And the the other thing I'll say too is what's good about an agency business is my whole thinking when I first took it over was to use the cash flows if I were able to make it happen to use the cash flows to go buy or go invest in other businesses because it's a great cash flow business. And you know, fortunately enough, everything worked out, and that's where we're at today. It's interesting in terms of like that foresight into thinking, okay, I'm getting this agency, you know, for a great deal. And if I can do this, I can do anything, but also having that future vision of, and when I make this succeed, I'm going to go and use this as a stepping stone to get into um, these other different businesses as well. Single grain today, you know, just give us a little bit of an insight, I guess, into that collection of different businesses. Can you give us a little bit of a taste of that? Yeah, sure. So we have single grain, which I've mentioned, and then we have ClickFlow, which is SEO software that makes you grow your traffic while looking like a genius. That's the tagline we use. Mm -hmm. And we have Marketing School, which I do with Neil. We're actually going to record right after this. Um, We have Leveling Up. You know, these are all separate projects. And then I have a program called Consulting School where we teach you how to build your agency. It's very meta. Fortunately, people love the program. And there's also a book that's coming out called Leveling Up that's coming out in February. I think those are kind of the main things. And then we have, oh, with the Single Grain website, we've actually also converted it into an affiliate website too because, you know, my background's in SEO. So we're also leveraging the domain authority that we have to rank for certain keywords. And then, you know, there's an affiliate marketing play there as well. So there's a lot of mini projects. Right now, I'm looking at a couple of SaaS companies to buy. One's doing, it's not that big. It's doing about $2 million a year or so. But just looking at, okay, you know, I have this marketing audience you know, as long as it's MarTech or sales, if I think I can help it explode, if I like the team, if I think it's a great product, um, then I might think about bringing it into the family. So, Great. And so how did you get into podcasting? And, you know, how do you think about, you know, the podcasts that, that you're involved with, you know, in terms of how they fit into that overall empire? I started the Leveling Up podcast. Formerly, it was called Growth Everywhere in 2013. So this is before Tim Ferriss even started his podcast. And um, at the time, there's a guy named Andrew Warner, and he, you know, great guy. He interviews a lot of entrepreneurs, and I was like, you know, look, what if I could interview entrepreneurs, but also talk about my spin would be on marketing. So I just did that. You know, the first year, you know, I was spent six hours a week on it. I was doing the editing, I was reaching out, I was you know doing the write ups as well. And this is while I was trying to save single range. So stupid, very very stupid. After the first year, I was only getting nine downloads a day for that podcast, right? Mm-hmm. But I kept going. And then same thing, six hours, six hours a week, still trying to save single grain. Next year, I was getting 30 downloads a day. Okay. So not much at all. You know, most people would be like, oh, you know, what an idiot. You should have given up the first year, probably in the first six months. But to me, that's wrong because, you know, I was doing a podcast to learn because I can learn from super successful people. I can ask questions that I want to ask mm-hmm. and it's free advice from people. And I'm also building relationships. Some of my closest relationships have come from that podcast. It's also generated clients for single grain or customers for other stuff. So I think it's it's very, I think for me, realizing that there is a very long term play with the podcast um, and being patient with it, right? So two years of nothing is a lot. So, you know, we did that. We've been doing, you know, four years goes into it. And then one day I'm just, you know, hanging out with Neil and then I'm like telling him about how great podcasting is. And then all of a sudden he turns to me and he's like, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, let's let's do the podcast. I was like, what do you mean? And then so so that, that's how we we start up marketing school. And um, <laughs> the very first podcast we record in Vegas when it's super 
hot, right? And he has to turn his AC off because we don't have any things things to help dampen the sound, so it's too echoey, or the AC is too loud, right? We're burning up, getting sweaty, we're cranking out as much as we can. That's how we made it happen, and so that's kind of been the journey. So leveling up now is about. Hundred thousand downloads a month, and then marketing school keeps growing through kind of the times that we're in. So it's about on track for about one point six million downloads a month. That's been the journey so far. You know, the frequency of these two podcasts is obviously different. You know, I'm interested in the fact that you sit across two very different shows. Right, they're both in marketing, but one is you know an interview based show once a week, and the other one is a daily podcast. Which I think it's it's more just you and Neil sharing your your insights and learnings, right, on a, on a daily basis. And also, the traffic profile is completely different. You know, hundred thousand versus you know one point two million downloads per month. How do you think about your contributions to to each of those and the purposes that they serve? Yeah, you know what's interesting? I'll, I'll share one one interesting fact. Single Grain gets about, this is an agency, gets about 15% of its clients from podcasting. And, you know, that's like the last click attribution. Let's just call it that because, you know, people that follow the blog listen to the podcast, right? But half come from leveling up and half come from marketing school, which I think is fascinating because leveling up is so much smaller. You know, then again, you have a daily podcast, who knows, right? I will tell you the effort that goes into marketing school is a lot easier because when I go record with Neil in about an hour, you know, we have ideas queued up, he edits it, I edit the, the ideas a little bit and we just go. Every episode's five minutes, sometimes up to 10 minutes, max, we're on to the next one, on to the next one, on to the next one. So zero preparation required because we can just riff on this stuff. Now, the leveling up podcast, like today I did Superhuman, right? And I, Raul from Superhuman, and I did Sam Corcos from Levels, the little mm-hmm. patch. So I, I, my patch is coming today. It's, I think it's actually downstairs. I'm going to go pick it up. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot more preparation, a lot more thought that goes into it. And it's a deeper conversation. And I, I think about, okay, what are the angles? What do they need exactly? How can I help them afterwards? And then also, what are the other angles? So for example, Raul comes from game design. He used to play World of Warcraft. I used to play World of Warcraft. My book coming out called Leveling Up, this is something he can align with. Levels, leveling up, there's there's something there too, right? So mm-hmm. there, there might be a book angle or there might be sometimes afterwards with the leveling up thing, if they have a really large website, okay, here's an angle here. Oh, looks like they have a large website. Hey, by the way, who handles SEO or content on your team? So if you're looking to generate leads, you can do that too. There's always a different angle, but I approach with help first and then I might have something in mind that mm-hmm. I could that that I I personally need support with as well. That's how I think about it. But to me, I learn a lot more from the Leveling Up podcast. I think it's different with marketing school because I'm more so articulating my thoughts, which is a different way of learning, but they're both helpful. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. So despite it seeming like, you know, you're doing seven shows for every one, the actual work that you're having to put into creating those seven shows, it's, it's not seven times, you know, obviously what, what you're putting into Leveling Up. Every time I do a session with Neil, we do it for an hour and we, we crank out 10 episodes. But see, with leveling up alone today, that took me, let's just call it like uh, an hour and 15 minutes. So mm-hmm. and that's two episodes. And then in terms of, I guess, your relationship with listeners, how would you contrast, you know, engagement and, and how you, you know, interact with listeners for, for both of those podcasts? You know, I would say the marketing school audience is a lot more, I think, because you have a much wider range. You have people that are starting out, people 
that might be struggling with their business or people struggling with school. So it's wide ranging and people engage with us all the time on social media. And we've even put together a, a live event before where um, a good chunk of people came. We did it for free. Last year, we created a, I hate using the word mastermind. So let's call it peer group where people are paying you know $25,000 for the year and they get three events and they're all mostly seven to nine figure uh, entrepreneurs or executives. There's that. I think with leveling up, what tends to happen I remember I was at um, Saster, which is a biggest SaaS conference, I think, a couple of years ago. And at that conference, there was probably four or five occasions where I was walking around and then someone was like, oh, podcast guy, podcast guy, right? And I can tell you one of the deals we signed, uh, it's a seven-figure deal. It's just because I happened to walk by and we just started we just started talking a little bit. And then that one thing led to another. And then I think we actually got two, so five interactions, two of them became long-term clients. I will tell you, the fascinating thing about podcasts, if you have a services-based business or I guess any business where you have clients and, and interact with the customers, the sales cycle is a lot shorter. The mm. lifetime value of the deal is a lot longer because I can tell you those two deals, they've been with us since since then. It might even have been three years now, at least two. So, Yeah, that's fascinating. And why do you think that is? You know the person. And when you know the person, you, you can't help but to reach out because you feel like they're your friend already. And so then right. you have a conversation, you realize that person is just, you know, no different than you, just a person. It, it, it's similar, right? You like, for example, when we met in, when we met in LA, so, you know, I might've seen your stuff before, you might've heard my stuff before, but then that one, that touch point alone takes it way further, right? So I always feel like using a basketball term, it's it's an alley-oop almost. It's you're alley-ooping the relationship up and then you're, you're engaging. And then now you're actually, you're at least an acquaintance, if not a friend. And then at that point, it's just, you want to do deals with people that you like. So I think that's what happens. Interesting. So you're kind of contrasting or you're making the case, I guess, that having the podcast and having someone listen to you and, you know, spend an entire, whether it's five minutes or an entire hour listening to your voice, you're kind of getting a little bit of that alley-oop feeling of, of, having met someone in real life or for, for or sure i mean i'll tell you what in my old apartment building i lived here in in los angeles i was in the elevator and i was talking once and one guy turned around he's like are you eric sue like he recognized my <laughs> voice and that happened to me twice in that elevator just from one guy turned on me he's like oh my god and he's like like talking to his girlfriends like, i listen to these podcasts every day blah 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 it's just like it's it's funny and it but you can't help but to be grateful for it but it, it is funny that is funny okay and then in terms of you know, being a growth guy, being a marketing guy, obviously you have to think about, you know, strategies for and, and growth hacks and long-term strategies for both those shows as well. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? I think the most helpful thing, I don't, I don't know how helpful this is going to be. I think if you're fortunate enough to have an audience already, if you have an email list already, hit the email list hard. If you have a, a notification tool, like a push notification tool, like subscribers.com, hit that one as well. If you have a big social media following, do that too. You know, use the swipe ups. That's kind of, you know, if you have an audience, you're fortunate enough, do that. Mm -hmm. The other thing I would say is everyone is doing an interview podcast right now. So how can you make it a little different? So for example, Jason, you're, you're doing an interview podcast, but you're also doing a behind the scenes as well, right? So it, it is kind of different. Now, the reason we decided to make marketing school daily and we didn't want to make an interview podcast is because nobody was doing it that way. So who else is going to do it daily? And the thing is, we have never missed one episode for four years. You know, it, it doesn't matter. Like there's been times where I'm sick. Neil almost never gets sick, but we power through it anyway. I, I, I might have a fever or whatever. 
Actually, I don't think I had a fever for a long time. But you know, case in point, <laughs> the main point is you know we power through it. So the consistency alone, we just see it continue to build and build and build. It stacks. I think even without hitting our email lists, the podcast would have continued to grow. And what I would say is because you're so consistent, people can't help but to to talk about it, right? It's even the people that hate it too. And then just over time, you know, it's the same thing as SEO. SEO takes to me. You know, if you're starting from scratch, it's like an 18 to 24 month journey. I basically saw the same thing with podcasts too. So it just takes time to to compound. So I don't really necessarily have a hack for you. I might say try this and try this engagement pods or whatever. But I've tried all the the low quality stuff in the past. It yeah. just doesn't work, and plus it doesn't feel right. And generally, it, the barometer for me now is if it doesn't feel right, just don't do it. It's it's really I'm just good at the long term stuff. That's what it is. Like I've tried paid media, I've tried contests, I've tried all these things. Just doesn't work. But there is one other thing, those of you that want to hack. When I was struggling with the Leveling Up podcast, Product Hunt had this podcast section. And um, you could actually upvote podcasts. So what I would do every day is I would throw up Marketing School and I would throw up uh, Leveling Up. And then I just have my team <laughs> go upvote it. And then, yeah, and then it would be number one and number two every single day. And then they took it off. I'm pretty sure they took it off because of us. But <laughs> that's what happened. Okay. The, the, I did use the word hack, but that wasn't exactly what I was thinking about. That's a hack right there. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you another hack. So yeah. here, here's the key thing. Hacks get you banned. Okay. So we basically got banned from Product Hunt. But here's the other thing. Russell Brunson with his Marketing Secrets podcast, it used to be mm -hmm. called Marketing in Your Car. So CEO of ClickFunnels. And they do really well. He's a great marketer. What he did was he incentivized people. He said, hey, guys, I have this MP3 player with all, all the episodes in there. All you have to do is opt in. And he basically put people into a funnel. And what happened there was when they opted in, he was incentivizing them to write reviews. And so his podcast was exploding. And he actually shot up to number one, I believe, in business. And Apple banned him, right? I actually even interviewed him on the Leveling Up podcast. Um, I asked him a little bit about it. We, we kind of just brushed through it quickly. I was like, oh, he doesn't want to talk about it. So I can tell you that if you try to hack or game the system typically, even if it doesn't work in Black Hat SEO, it still doesn't work here too. So just be careful. Right, got it. Your emphasis is purely on long-term consistency, producing great content, and then you know just just making your show better and better for the audience that you're serving. There's that, but I know people are probably let down by that answer. So I'll say, okay, we use Restream. Like this that we're doing right now, what I would have done was I would have Restreamed it, which is a simulcasting basically. I would hit Twitter, I would hit my YouTube, I would hit my LinkedIn, I would hit my Twitch as well. And so I would just hit all the other kind of you know, if I can simulcast to Instagram at the same time, I would do it. There's there's one thing called yellowduck.tv, but that allows me to hit multiple channels. And what ends up happening there is I, I get people that say, I see you everywhere, right? Like even, even if you think, oh, I'm only getting 50 views on this channel or 100 views or so, that, that's fine because you might have, even if it's one one person out of 100 is, is you know, one of the people that you're trying to reach, then you've done your job, right? So don't just focus on you know, Apple, try to diversify as much as you can, right? So we try to hit all the channels for from podcast feeds, but then we also try to simulcast, which is why we will use Zoom for it. We have no other reason to use Zoom other than trying to, you know, hook it up with Restream and then hit all our channels. Interesting. Okay. So for your audience, what are the channels besides Apple Podcasts that have proved valuable for you? SEO and content marketing is 50% of our customers. You know, 15% comes from podcasts and the other 35% is from... I'll just, you know, there's networking, there's speaking, there's me throwing my own events, there's me kind of throwing dinners. And by the way, I'm not an I'm not an extrovert. I actually like being at home. Like once I'm in an outdoor 
type of uh, environment, like a conference, I'm just like, I want to go home within the first hour. But I find that when whenever I make the event, you know, <laughs> for my own purposes, that works out really well. And then those people inevitably will think about you and they'll want to, you know, work with you in some capacity in, in the future, um, whether it's as just friends or maybe they need something, maybe you can make an introduction for them. It's just good, right? To have the, the, the in-person stuff once we get back to it. So, you know, SEO content marketing is obviously still the, the long game. I really, you know, I, I enjoy the stuff that Kevin Indig, you know, he's the VP of SEO at G2. He puts out good stuff. Grow and Convert's a great blog as well. Ahrefs actually has some good stuff too. That's the SEO tool. Beyond that, I mean, you know, we talked about podcasting already, but beyond that, it's just straight up, you know, boots on the ground, getting out there. Um, and by the way, never knew how to speak. Introverted person. My first my first talk on stage was in front of 30 people. My hands were sweating like crazy, so nervous. But you get used to it because you realize that, you know, all you're trying to do, even if you throw a dinner or whatever, or you throw an event, is you're just trying to serve people or you're trying to help people. And then once you take it off, it's, it's no longer about you. Uh, it just becomes a lot easier. So, yeah. In terms of, you know, I guess creating income streams from your content and, you know, repackaging that in various ways to, to make money, what are some of the things that you've tried there and, you know, both succeeded at and, and failed? Yeah. So I'll tell you, I mean, you know, I'll just share numbers for the, the podcast first. So for the Marketing School podcast, we run ads for it. And this is public on Neil's blog, but which is why I can talk about it. So we have a hosting company that pays us about eight hundred thousand dollars a year, and it's it's for an annual deal. And you know we'll help them every now and then with their their marketing as well. But you know that that's good because you split it between two people, it's basically all profit. Mm -hmm. So and we're not charging on a CPM or anything anything like that. If we were, we'd probably be like you know one point two million dollars a year or so. But that's good for a podcast, and some people are making even more than that. So on 1.6 million downloads, not bad. And that's how we monetize with ads. And then the other thing I'll say is that's why we created the live event. Once our live events are back, they'll probably do, you know, we'll call it two and a half, three million dollars. And most of that will be profit. But then also we're also, you know, able to network with with amazing people and kind of create our own event that we want to have at places that we want to be at. So you got events, you got ads. We've continually toyed with the idea of adding a subscription as well, but you know, uh, obviously that's a discussion with Neil and myself. And you know, he's he's just like let's let's max out the other things first before we even think about it. So mm -hmm. it's a discussion we might come back to later. But even beyond that, there's courses too, right? But the way I'm thinking about courses is if we're called marketing school, you know, I, I want I'm taking a look at you know who's actually doing something innovative around you know, education right now. And I think Lambda School is doing something interesting. So can we do a type of income share type of thing or just a regular boot camp where we teach people zero to one, you go from knowing nothing to becoming pretty good at marketing in three months and then even us helping you get a job. And that sounds interesting, right? So, you know, we're even thinking about doing something like that. Just keep in mind, I think for those of you looking to make money quickly from podcasting, we didn't make any money from it for the first three years. For um, leveling up, I didn't make any money from it for the first three years as well. So be willing to defer as long as you can. Interesting. And so if some listeners out there that might be at that three-year mark, you know, where you'd built an audience, you'd done the, the groundwork, you know, you'd done just the, the toiling of putting out content on a consistent basis and, you know, getting that really highly engaged audience, and then you're starting to think about monetization, how would you guide them to, to think about, you know, all the opportunities that are available? Yeah, I think the first thing I would start with, hopefully you're collecting emails from your audience and or at least you're getting them onto your, you can use like community.com and you can just text them and ask them what they think. That works well for us. So what I would ask is, look, 
you know, what's one thing that you're struggling with? Like, A, you ask the standard questions. What do you do? What industry are you in? What's your role? All that type of stuff. And like, you know, what other content, what other types of content would you like to see? What's the one thing that you're struggling with most right now, right? And then you get you get a sense of signal versus noise. And mm-hmm. then from that survey, because you understand your audience, you can decide what to build next. Instead of just saying, I'm going to build in the vacuum and I think my audience needs this, you know, ads, obviously we know that, you know, one big you know hosting provider is going to, they want more customers. So that's their need. Now around the live event, we know that people want more connection and they want to connect with like-minded people. So we did that. And we, we actually now even have a virtual event as well. Where we're just going to add more people to it. So, but you know, it's just really understanding kind of who your customer is and ideally you are the customer. So you kind of understand what to do. Right. So that's what I would say before trying to just build something from scratch, which is what I've done in the past and it's been pretty painful. So Interesting. And then, you know, when you're putting out a survey, what are the kinds of questions that people should be asking to be able to work out, you know, like whether they should monetize via advertising, via subscription, via courses, you know, how, how can people start to tease apart, you know, where they should be? So, I mean, one thing we did was we asked them straight up how interested they would be, right? We gauged their interest level. So it's like, hey, if we created a, uh, a subscription for, for marking school, how interested would you be? And I believe their interest was about a 3.5 out of 5. I think we did something around, you know, how interested would you be in a, a weekly newsletter around marketing? So that's something we might create because the interest was around a 4.5 out of 5. So that at least you have some quantitative feedback. But um, that's not to say we won't test the other stuff. So, you know, we can kind of gauge from there. We have the quantitative data, but also we might think from our side, well, you know what, based on qualitative things that we've seen, we might want to reprioritize. So, you know, you want to kind of have a mix of both. How much do you look at, I guess, what the the competition's doing? You know, who are the people that you track closely and who are the people that you think, you know, are just doing really, really well in terms of being able to build up an audience and then also uh, monetize that effectively and provide value? Yeah. I think um so Pomp Anthony Pompliano I've had I had him on the podcast about a week or two ago and so he's done a really good job with you know building up his Twitter following his podcast following I think his Twitter is like 300,000 uh his podcast is about 2.5 million downloads a month and he's actually talked to Andrew Wilkinson about Supercast by the way and so he's good at what he does and here's the thing he's also trained his brother up to be pretty good at Twitter as well his brother went from like 2000 followers he's at 50,000 now so I think, I think they just do a great job because they add a lot of value to their audience. All right. So we've covered a lot already, but for those of you that are regular listeners, you'll know that this is where we're going to break off and do the bonus section. And so for our bonus episode with Eric, we're going to go further into how to create content that sells uh, and the unique advantages of a one-person media company, as Eric calls it. So to check that out, head to premium.supercast.com. Uh, or you can also click the link in the show notes and from there you can sign up for free and you'll have the premium supercasters feed in your podcast player of choice in just a couple of taps so again that's premium.supercast.com you don't have to download any special apps or anything and it's 100 free eric thanks so much for sharing your insights with us today and uh, really appreciate you coming on the show for sure thanks for listening everyone bye for now